Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy, sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. 116 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. And uh, some number of miles to the southeast, it's Jason. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Uh, Jason is here because, well, first, because he's our friend. And second, because he attended an AEW uh, Dynamite show uh, last night in Charleston, West Virginia. And we have a rule on this show that if you are a friend and you attend an episode of Dynamite, you get to come on the show and talk about it. So we're now two for two. Because... <laughs> Well, I guess three for three because I, I represented I represented me, Jason, and Andrew for that first uh, dynamite in Charleston, and then we had Justin on the the Pittsburgh for that first Pittsburgh show, and now and now Jason's back for uh, round two in uh, in Charleston. So uh, we're going to talk about all that, but before we do that, uh, we're going to do what we start with every week. And that is the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jenny, uh, what are you drinking this week? Uh, mine is a Spindrift Strawberry Lemonade. Oh, let's uh, let's hear the crack on that beautiful aluminum can. Okay. Thank you. Megan. I'm going to do my usual box of wine. And in lieu of, since we all know about that already, I will just say Jenny. They have mango orange Spindrift at my Kroger, but it's for delivery only. And we have done pickup. So I'm mad. Just throwing it out there. I have not tried mango orange. I will try. Okay. Recommended. Sick. Jason. I am a loser, so I'm drinking Coke Zero Sugar. Oh, hell yeah. No, do you, do you have that in common with uh, Justin Shapiro. He always drinks uh, sugar-free uh, soda beverages on our show, too. I started that in 2020 to not gain weight during the pandemic and mixed results. <laughs> okay. It's okay, Jason. Sugar's Let's... not inherently good for you, so you're allowed Let's to not it. drink it. Okay. I'm not sure where the mic is on the setup, so hopefully it comes up. Okay. <laughs> Did it come through at all? Yeah. It came through okay. very like um, it hissed. hissy. Hissy. <laughs> After the all these years. Maybe it. it was the cat, not the pop that opened. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, I think we should start with, uh, I mean, we're, of course, Megan's going to do the the full fat uh, dynamite recap later. But Jason, uh, any any like notes, non-spoiler notes uh, from a live perspective that uh, unless you want to spoil dark, you can spoil dark if you want to. But anything, anything notice, notable or different from the last time around? So um, they take COVID very seriously, as well as just cleanliness in general. Um, they have a guy named Bob, whose whole job is to make sure the ring is functioning properly and not going to injure anybody. But he's also the person who's in charge of making sure all the blood and sweat gets cleaned up. So in between matches, he signals for people to come in with like spray bottles and spray down stuff and mop stuff. And they wipe down all the turnbuckles and the ropes and everything. 
Mm. And they introduced him to the audience before the show, and they're, everyone appreciated him, and he got a Bob chant. Um, nice. And then um, Justin Roberts introduced his son, Bob Jr., who was like the mop boy or whatever. And so there was like a Bob Jr. chant immediately after that. Um, but there was like a whole crew after the two out of three falls match. They actually decided they were just going to remove the whole mat and <laughs> put a new mat down. Um so they were super efficient. I was, I remember we talked about them changing the map between tapings at the first Dynamite we went to, but like this was way more over the top. I presume because of COVID and staff and things like that, that's more of an issue these days. Um, but I was appreciative of it. My mom was too. My mom went with me and she's never been to an AEW show at all, but she was like, she was like, good for them. Yeah. So like she, she thought that was cool. Um, Justin Roberts actually introduced everyone who works at ringside and what their job is and what they oh, wow. do. And I thought that was very professional um, as a way of showing who contributes to these broadcasts. Um, I also sat directly behind the soundboard. So I got to see what that guy does. Um, and it was very awkward because during very quiet moments, especially during dark, um, I could hear Excalibur in his headphones. Um, <laughs> so that was... That was interesting because um, he was wearing them like on his on his um, neck, not on his uh, head. Um, I could also see the monitors and tell when they were showing um, interviews backstage. They weren't showing the audience, which I didn't understand why they did that sometimes. Um, oh. Most of the time they did, but sometimes they didn't. So that was interesting. Um, what were you seeing? I also found when... out like that. What were you seeing when the interview was not being shown to you? Just the the normal Tron with the the show logo on it. Um, that oh, was, it's normally on during the broadcast. Yeah. Interesting. So like nothing was um, happening in the ring or on the screen. Just kind of. They might have been like cleaning, or they might have been like bringing out if it was a jobber. They might have been making their entrance or something like that. But like it wasn't like. Um, also, Dark is very efficient. Um, they got like 10 matches done in like 40 minutes. Um, yeah. Which it feels impossible, but it, it was very fast. Um, it was a lot. Um, I, it, you know those episodes of Raw from the 90s where every match is like a, a squash match and um, they only go like three minutes that's what it felt like yeah dark is like paced like an aew pay-per-view except the matches are two minutes long yeah <laughs> and it's like i kind of thought like other than padding their records like who like they're not the young talent's not getting anything out of this really except for like maybe under getting their entrance down or something because they're not they're doing like three moves in a pin like that's not helping yeah. your conditioning that's not helping your style any um, no but for those who are on like per date deals, it is it is a payday. It is. Um, also, I was very shocked that um, they did not give um, shoot what's his name Cole Carter more of a an emphasis on oh, the yeah. show. He was in the background of a segment on Rampage, and that was it. Because <laughs> he he's, didn't get his he's name from Charleston, right? Yes. He is. They built him from Charleston, West Virginia. He went to Sissonville High School, which is like right down the road from my church. So I know where he lives. 
<laughs> That's so weird that they like yeah you'd think they'd have like given him like a squash on rampage or on dark at least or something. Yeah, or let him get like a really like you know hard fought loss or something. I don't know, it's like yeah you know, with a baby face or something. But, um, yeah, yeah. I, I weeks ago when he when he came out and people were like I can't believe Tony Khan signed him. I was like. Oh, it's because the Charleston show is coming up, and they want to spotlight a Charleston guy, and that'll be his little feel-good moment. Nope, I I missed the ball on that one. <laughs> That's weird. There, he's like TK is usually better about hometown stuff, you know. Um, the the girl that I can never remember her name. I think it's Kylan King who faced Tony Storm. Uh-huh. They built her from Pomeroy, Ohio, which isn't that far from here, and um. I don't know if she was supposed to be a heel, but she was getting kind of babyface reactions. Um, so <laughs> maybe they thought she's close enough. <laughs> take what we can. They take what they can get, right? Yeah. Okay. Also, I, well, have, will, I have comments uh, that CM Punk said when we get there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk all about that. Uh, and in fact, uh, we don't usually open with news, but today we are going to, and we're going to open with the only story. That we can possibly open with, and I've got all kinds of uh, things on this. Uh, so this is the story from F4WOnline.com that is an account of today's Wrestling Observer Radio uh, that came out this morning. And let me just pull it up real quick. Um, AEW World Champion CM Punk's coward remark and call-out of Hangman Page in the opening promo of Wednesday's Dynamite was not planned, according to Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez of Wrestling Observer Radio. Meltzer said, That was weird for everyone, and that no one knew he was going to do that. Later saying, Punk versus Page 2 is not planned for All Out. After Punk's acknowledgement of the Charleston, West Virginia crowd, he said he had some important things and not-so-important things to take care of. He then said, Hangman Page, you want that rematch? Let's do it right here, right now. He then sat in the middle of the ring as the crowd chanted, but Page's music never hit and he ever came out. That's not cowboy shit, that's coward shit, he said. Meltzer reported that there's a lot of reality to the issues they aired about each other during the build to Page versus Punk at Double or Nothing. He later opined that there might have been something Page said during their promos that irked Punk to the point he wanted to air it during his first in-ring promo since getting injured. Um... Brian Alvarez said, whatever they are going to do next week with the title match, Punk's promo has absolutely zero zilch to do with whatever they are doing at the pay-per-view. That was not supposed to happen. Punk went into business for himself and then moved on. Meltzer said, they may build something from the comment, but there, there's nothing between the men scheduled for All Out. As of now, Page has no match at the pay-per-view as he declined to be a part of the trio's tournament. Okay. What, what did they... Um, so, I, I wasn't super impressed with like the punk page feud and it didn't leave any lasting impression on my mind so what do they think or do you guys think that page said that upset punk to that level so this later that day from uh, pwinsiders.com mike johnson uh we've had a number of readers ask about comments aew champion cm punk made on last week's last night's dynamite essentially calling out former AEW champion Hangman Page and then calling the lack of response cowardly, and then remarking that the apology should be larger than the disrespect before asking if anyone else had any issues. 
Punk's comments about Paige and anyone else who wanted to come out and fight him were not part of the overall plans going into that segment. Uh, Instead, Punk, who has the leeway to go in whatever direction he wants verbally, appeared to take the moment to call out Paige. It appears there has been something of an issue with Punk and Paige brewing for months, given that right before their match at May's Double or Nothing pay-per-view, Paige, to Punk's face, buried him in a promo and treated Punk as some sort of interloper to the promotion that Paige needed to protect AEW from. Uh, the comments at the time were, so, and there's a little bit of editorializing from Mike Johnson, the comments at the time were so far out of left field that I asked AEW president Tony Khan about them during a media call. At the time, Khan said the segment made sense because they are two guys who don't like each other and want to fight. Uh, okay, so that is Mike Johnson's account. And here is Joe Lanza of the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. Um, I did not hear this, but I... Uh, found some like uh, a recap of, of what he said on his dynamite report today here, just kind of like the notes uh, Lanza can't confirm Dave's report that punk went into business for himself because he hasn't been outright told that. However, he believes it's entirely plausible. He confirmed there is heat between punk and page that dates back to the bizarre workers, right? Promo cut by page. There is a blow up following hangman's promo that led to a closed door meeting with Tony Khan, CM punk and hangman page. Punk was caught off guard by some of the points Hangman was making and felt he went into business for himself. Punk had told people that he would never job for Page. Uh, Lanza is not sure if he said it to Hangman's face, but wouldn't be surprised if he did. Lanza went into how there are more AEW feuds that are based off reality than we may think. There is legitimate tension between the AEW originals and the ex-WWE stars. Lanza does not know if Punk still feels like he won't job to Page since this was said months ago. Lanza believes Punk did a great job building to a match with Paige, regardless if he went to business for himself. Lanza made the point that Hangman was the one who started this with a notoriously fiery Punk. Colt Cabana being banished to Ring of Honor is pissed off most of the locker room. He does not believe this is a work because they would be working every single person in the locker room. Quote, if that's a work, they are working everybody, including the locker room. You can never discount a work. And that's not me playing both sides or anything like that. You just can't in pro wrestling especially when they're doing this elaborate MJF storyline where they're working everybody. Okay, there's one more piece to this, journalistically. Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful. These are his notes on Fightful Select. He can confirm Dave's report that Punk's challenge to Hangman was not planned. He confirms the Voices of Wrestling report that Hangman's promo led to Punk meeting with AEW higher-ups. Uh, several AEW fit talent feel the situation that unfolded last night was unfair to Hangman if he wasn't aware of it. One talent noted that Hangman was in a no-win scenario because he could do nothing about it, even if he was aware that Punk was going to challenge him. Hangman was in the building, but no word on how he reacted. Punk believed Hangman went into business for himself in the lead to the Devil or Nothing match, and that Punk may have seen last night's promo as a receipt, though the locker room speculation, uh, though that's locker room speculation. Punk often verbally expressed his displeasure with this situation, and some thought he may quit the company. Someone close to Punk said that they thought he might have almost decided to stay home instead of showing up at Dynamite, but don't think he would have quit. Fightful hasn't heard Punk wants to leave, but he has made some threats. The Mock's Punk match for next week was a late decision. No word on how late. AEW higher-ups would not give any context as to why, and they don't know what led to Punk not wanting to possibly show up last night. Punk seems like a lot. <laughs> what the hell is happening? 
Jason, is this like what were yeah, you were front row for it. What what was going on? Um first off, the way he started the promo, he incorrectly made the assumption that Hangman's from West Virginia and said that he was from around these parts. Everyone was like, who is he challenging? I was like, is Heath Slater coming through the curtain? What the crap are you doing? And then when he said Hangman Page, everyone was like, oh. And then one guy even screamed, he's from Virginia. And like, like people were like, kind of myth that he made the all-time classic, like, mistaking the two states joke that we get all the time. So he got kind of got a little heel heat for, for the misstep. Um, not a lot to probably come up on television, but enough that it, there was a groan in at least my area, like a uniform groan. Um, which, by the way, I had a really diverse group of people around me. I had children, old ladies, middle-aged men. <laughs> like, it was a smorgasbord of, of demographics um, in my in my area. Um, and they were anyway, uh, Yeah, so, like, um, also, they loved punk, and they obviously like Hangman, or, like, as soon as he said the name, people were like, yay, or whatever, once they got over the ground. Um, and I don't think people knew what to think. It was like that babyface, babyface dynamic, whether you're like, I don't... I don't know how I feel about you doing this kind of situation. And then when Mox came out, it was more because then now you've added a third baby face in this weird, like, promo segment kind of thing. And you're like, we like him, too. Oh, my God. Uh, and so, like, it was until they started fighting, people were like, like, it would look like the situation when two people are arguing and you don't take a side and you're just, like, watching you're like, he said something bad about this guy. He said something bad about this guy. And you're just like, oh, oh, oh. Every time they made, like, the verbal jabs at each other. Until they started brawling, people, like, seemingly were, like, not sure how to react. And then they were just like, let them fight. We don't care anymore. Yay. And, like, it was it was just weird. And um we didn't get the the in the second part we didn't get the whole message that they were actually going to do the match next week so whereas like you know haha that ain't gonna happen whatever so like i didn't know till i got home that they had announced that on television um so i was just like why didn't you just give to us then you teased us with two whole segments like just give us a main event um i guess they thought the main event was enough and we didn't need a title match but that's beside the point um, but yeah, it was, it was bizarre. It really was. Um, so I think people thought Hangman was coming out. Um, because typically in those kind of situations, they, they do, um, at least in AEW. Um, I, I will say that, um, Punk was in rare form, um, uh, because he made fun of Moxley from the moment Moxley's music hit. He stayed in the ring. He was like, he's going to take a while so I can do whatever I want. And he starts doing snow angels and like Pilates. And he's just like goofing off in the ring while Moxley's making his entrance, distracting people from the fact that Moxley's making his entrance. Um, it, it, uh, I, I don't know if any of that was on TV. That I just explained to you. 
Um, Megan, what do you think of all the I'm news a- I just explained to you? Oh, me? Um, yes, you, Megan. <laughs> I It hurts my heart. Like, I, I'm so confused. How... <laughs> I guess it's my own bias, but, like, how can anybody be mad at Hangman? Um, Punk, what the hell's going on? I thought you really liked this place. And also, like, it kind of... Ugh, it's not a great look to be, like, the first sign of, I don't know, adversity. You decide you might quit and threaten that. Like, that's kind of a shit way to go. I'm just... I, I never... This is all new to me because, like, everything, obviously, you can never know based on what happens in the ring because it's always a work or whatever. But, like, uh, can I still say I didn't see this coming? Like, this sounds out of left field and so unexpected. Like, what? I I was confused by Punk's promo, but I'm just, like, apologize for what? Not coming out to fight. Um, But without any of this context... I didn't really think anything of it after it was done. I was just like, oh, okay. I was confused about why they moved, or maybe not moved, but they scheduled the Moxie Punk thing earlier because I was pretty sure that that was just going to be a pay-per-view match. Was I wrong in thinking I that? Think, I think that's what we all thought. Okay. I think that's what we all thought. Um, Jason, uh, you did? Did you hear any hear or read any of this news today, or is this fresh for you too? I about five o'clock. I listened to the first fifteen minutes of Wrestling Observer Radio, so I heard part of that. Um, I did not hear all of it. Okay. Do you have a? Do you have a, like based on what I told you? Do you have a read on any of this? Uh, I'm. I'm like Megan. I'm shocked that that's how CM Punk behaves. Um, I would think a guy with his level of experience would know that, like, you know, I don't think, I don't think Hangman was necessarily going into business for himself and his promo. People can say that, but I don't think he was. I think he was just trying to make a good story. You know what and I mean? And Jason, to that point, that's another thing I thought about Punk is, like, he's always seemed like he, like, maybe it was just with MJF, but when people would make you know, comments about obviously every like anything in his past. He just kind of like looked amused and laughed and then shot back at them like in the yeah. ring. And I always just thought that's how wrestling promos worked. You know, it's like business. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think like you're not intentionally trying to defame you or anything. And honestly, yeah. I don't think um, if that if that's what upsets Punk, then he needed to tell. Tony Khan, he needed to tell uh, Hangman Page, look, I don't like being made out to be a WWE guy that's here. I'm an AEW guy or whatever. He needed to, like, say that. Don't wait on it for six months and then come out and cut a promo that you know is going to hurt the other character more than your character was hurt previously. Because he was able to respond because he went and had a match Whereas Hangman now cannot respond because he's not programmed with Puck. Um, Also, I naively thought that, like, if you were going to pull some, like, really personal shit out in your promo, that you would, like, clear it with the other person since you're on live TV and um, you don't want something really bad to happen. So I I always assume no matter how bad it is what somebody says something, like, that the person they're saying to it to like had some idea it was coming and like okayed it you know like it's very, very unprofessional and it makes him look like the asshole <laughs> well he just brought like 
so much weird energy. God damn night. it. Like, I think we can full on say that Punk is a heel. And, like, also this, like, weird report about, okay, he's not been here for almost three months. And just to, like, not show up, like, how can you be fuming that much? Like, you haven't even been around anyone. How can you be fuming that much that you can't come to work? You're getting paid to come to work. You're a professional. Like, you were a real professional when you crowd dove and then broke your foot and had to be out for three months after you just won the title. But, like, you're even more professional, like, having this little hissy fit coming back for your first time. Like, it's been three months. You haven't calmed down at home. Like, what kind of environment must you be living in at home for <laughs> you to be this pissed off when you haven't had to been around it? Like, I understand a toxic work environment, but, like, when you work from home, that shit is, like, way down here. Like, you have to be quite a person to, like, keep bringing that toxic shit up in your home all the time. Mm-hmm. To be that fired up. Also, in his history, going back to Summer of Punk 2011, like, he's being Triple H in this sense. Like, he's the one damaging another character for no reason. So... I'm not just saying this because I don't want to be the guy who got worked, okay? But I, I'm i not convinced that this isn't all a work. I would appreciate Wait. it to be a work. But when I, you say I don't all. Like work. When you say all. Yes. Are, I, so, like, do you think they, the locker room stuff, though, do you think that's genuine? Like, here's, they don't get along, but they can be professional about it? Here's what I think is... If it's a work, here's what I think is most likely. And I think it's the same trajectory the MJF thing took. Okay. Something real happened back in May where Hangman cut a promo that Punk was not thrilled about. And they decided to use it. Because, you know, Punk is going to need... They're going to need to do that match again at some point. And and also, the, like, honestly, it really kind of smacks of Sean and Brett in 1997... Like, you know, like lobbing grenades at each other that, that you know, weren't cleared. But, like, I think they were cleared in this case. <laughs> you know, oh, my so God. I, that's a Tony Khan thing to just love history and, and repeat and history. Like, punk punk uh, fetishizes Bret Hart, too. But what about Paige? Is he, in, is he in the work or is he out of the work? I'm sure Paige if is. It's if it's a work, Paige is in the work. Anyway. I hope I'm, it's hope. a work. I hope you're right because... I hate it when the, they fight, and I love Adam Page, and I love CM Punk, and I don't want my love to be misplaced. Damn it! Like, don't don't make me regret that. Now that that does raise the question, though, why is this title match happening next week? Yeah, does Brian he... Alvarez said that um, people were immediately jumping on the idea that oh, Hangman must be the the all out opponent, and Punk is winning next week, mm-hmm. but. He specifically said that's not the plan. So, so it, and here's the thing: like, as as much as like, I think that they are going to do that match again because, of course, they are. Uh, that match is like not half as big for All Out as Moxley versus Punk would be right now. It's not. It's, it's not ready. Unless they're thinking they're going to do like a triple threat or something with another heel or something. Oh no, thank you. I just. I just like they better have something really good planned if 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 they're 
you know, doing this next week. The last time they they rushed something or put something off, it was because somebody, ironically, Hangman, could not make the match. Remember, it was his match with Kenny, and we got Christian instead. So oh, I'm right. wondering, did did something happen? <laughs> and then then they can't is is Moxley unavailable for All Out, like or something? Yeah, I guess that's possible. There could be something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so I guess I guess we just have to tune in next week and see. But are they that worried that Punk isn't going to hang around until all out? It's <laughs> like going to get the belt off <laughs> this guy like immediately. If that was the case, they should have done it last night in Charleston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have. I would have marked out. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. Well. Uh, okay. Let's get into some of these other news bits here. Uh, here's a sad one. Uh, Megan, get ready. Oh my god. Kanosuke Takeshita is returning to Japan after a four-month stay in the United States. Today, I am leaving America, Takeshita said. I have so many great memories of the last four months. Thank you all for being so nice to me. Takeshita's first match in his American excursion was a win over Brandon Cutler on April 20th. He would wrestle for the promotion 15 times over the coming months. While in the United States, Takeshita also performed for promotions such as Defy, PWG, and West Coast Pro. So, yeah. Kanuki Takeshita. He gone. Don't leave us. But there's good news, Megan. Okay. Why are you playing right around? (laughs) Yeah, why are you yanking me around? Is he back? Was that a lie? This is the next day of another report. Though he's bid farewell to the United States following a four-month excursion, Kanosuke Takeshita is hoping to make his return soon. While speaking with Cultaholic after competing for Progress Wrestling in the United Kingdom over the weekend, Takeshita said he's hoping to be back in the United States this October. Takeshita also said that he isn't interested in WWE, and his goal is to have more matches for AEW. To be honest, now I'm not interested in WWE. My next goal is more fights in AEW, so I have to go back to Japan in August and September. Maybe, not decided yet, I hope I go back to America in October. Then if I stay in the U.S., I can come to U.K. more times. From Japan to U.K. is so far, but U.S. to U.K. is maybe seven hours. It's possible! (laughs) I don't know if just the tone you're uh, applying to this, but I do feel like he'd be excited about this, and I am so happy to hear he'll be back, uh, you know, not sure, but hopefully October, (laughs) as he... As he said, I have a prediction based on this. Okay. I, I think that Takeshka will win the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Oh, uh, next March? Yes. That's That would be, I would like that. that. That's a good idea. He's a very tall boy, which is advantageous in that sort of match. Mm-hmm. I think the crowd would lose their minds. Yeah, that's a good idea, Jason. Um, other news, uh, AEW will return to its home during the pandemic, Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, on Friday, October 21st. Uh, Tony Khan made the announcement as he was in the booth with the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars versus Cleveland Browns NFL preseason game. <laughs> Very He's exciting. such a funny man. He's a, he is quite a character. Uh, this is pretty obvious at this point. What? 
he came out to talk four times last night. Did he? Yeah. He came he came out zero times to talk with that first time we went. I know. I think he like had like like too many white claws, maybe? No. <laughs> maybe he was very talkative. Um but I, I think he had I don't the word just gave me like he did not want to be an on-screen person or or like that type of face of the company at that point in time and he got over that during the pandemic. <laughs> what did he ever? What did he talk to you guys about? Um he came out before the show and got people hyped for dynamite uh, after dark. He's their hype um, man. Yeah, he he came out with only 60 seconds. I'm like, what are you going to say? And then he just kept talking. I'm like, they're going to go live and you're just going to be on the mic, dude. You got to you got to leave. You got to go right now. That pyro is going to blow you up right now. Um, But yeah, he came out and um, talked about how much he loved coming to Charleston and how this was the, the home of the fourth ever Dynamite and they crowned the tag champs here and um put over the main event and, and, and that kind of stuff. And then he came out between um, Rampage. I guess we only saw him three times. He came out between Dynamite and Rampage and like he was, I think, killing time while everyone had to go use the restroom <laughs> um, because the, the they, no one was going to miss that main event. So no one was going to the restroom during the main event. Um, and... So I actually heard him say, it looks like everyone's back in their seat now, so we can start Rampage. And so um, he was just talking forever. Um, and then at the end of the show, he came out and talked some more and did a skit with Dan Housen. So it was it, oh. it was kind of funny. So Nice. Cool. Um, let's see. This is not a surprise, but uh, based on recent television, but uh, Parker Boudreaux of the... Uh, Trustbusters has signed a contract and is officially all elite. He's the big boy. He's if Mad Zuckery, I've decided had a baby with Brock Lesnar, not ate too much protein, just had a baby with Brock Lesnar. I think that's what that guy is. The one that I have heard this week that I thought was funny was he's a uh, wish.com Brock Lesnar. <laughs> no, I don't think that's fair because he's very brock-esque so i don't think a wish would be that accurate he's he's too close <laughs> yeah all right more sad news just like poor clone or something more sad news uh two days after confirming she suffered another knee injury aew's chris statlander posted a workout video where she went into detail about the injuries and that she will need surgery um she said she suffered a completely torn ACL and lateral meniscus and that the workout was designed to help her maintain as much strength as possible to listen, lessen any post-operation atrophy. Um, she already had surgery? On the other knee. No, I know, but like, is she just doing these exercises before surgery so it's not as bad? I don't okay. know. Let me see. Um so then on Tuesday's uh, AEW Road 2 on their YouTube, they had a little feature on her. And uh, she said, after getting an MRI, I have a completely torn ACL. My lateral meniscus is torn and there is lateral impaction fractures in my tibial and femoral heads that are more of a bruise, but technically a broken leg. So recovery time is about six to eight months post-operation. She added she initially 
hoped it was just a meniscus tear, but once it was shown, her ACL was completely torn. She knew she would be out for a long time. Whenever my return is, I'm ready to feel it in the crowd. So thank you all for supporting me through this time. And of course, she had previously torn the ACL on her left knee in 2020. So when she comes back, she's going to be full like Steve Austin, just like braces both legs. Like she, she should, should wear just, a vest. She should, yeah, she should just do like she should be Stone Cold Steve Austin when she comes back. <laughs> Stone Cold Chris Statlander. All right, uh, this is another story that's like it's like it's like half a story. It's just based on something Dave said on um, Observer Radio. Um, he said, I don't know how many, but I have, in fact, been told of certain plans for AEW wrestlers on Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Meltzer said on the show, uh, the first night of Wrestle Kingdom, actually, which we, we learned today, actually. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, the G1 ended today, and uh, they announced Wrestle Kingdom is going back to one night uh, for next year. So, so it'll be That's January 4th, and that date falls on a Wednesday... So that's to be strategic with who they let go to Japan if they're going to do that. But because uh, I don't think AEW Wait. is going to tape ahead. Wednesday in Japan is in the future. <laughs> you trying to figure out how you can like do Hogan airplane math to <laughs> to, to get to get yeah. people there. Yeah. <laughs> also, that's the week of. New Year, so they might they might tape. I don't think right? they tape on. I don't think they'd be taping by like June, like three days after the holiday. They'd they'd be back live by then. What if they do AEW Dynamite from Japan? I mean, they should. They should. But apparently, Tony can't go to Japan, so <laughs> his daddy has money, money shady business. Some some weird business deal that fell apart in Japan between Shad Khan and some some Japanese businessman. What if what if Kenny in his executive vice president role runs the show? All he has to do is wear an earpiece with Tony talking into you know telling yeah. him what to say. I mean, he won't be the hype man, but he didn't speak Japanese anyway. It's true. Kenny is the best choice. Okay, I got two more pieces of news. Okay, this is a weird one. This is from Fightful Select. An unnamed wrestler has informed AEW management that they were contacted by... uh, An unnamed AEW wrestler has informed management and AEW that they were contacted by WWE regarding working for them. The AEW roster member was described as one who is known to be under contract and a full-time performer with the company. The unnamed talent informed AEW management of the situation because they felt the company's higher-ups deserved to know... They also informed AEW that they have no interest in leaving and told WWE they are happy where they are. The report continues to say the claim was it was a member of WWE's talent relations department that made contact with the AEW talent. And this was described as someone who would, would if they were to go, they would be returning to WWE. Rick Flair talking to Andrade. <laughs> I was thinking Malachi Black because they seemingly accidentally let him go. Paul Payment talking to Malachi Black. You know, this might not be popular, but I think it's kind of it's kind of bullshit that you know, that you feel the need to like go tattle on 
someone who reached out to you about a job. It's like you were not a you were not an employee. Huh? But isn't it contract tampering though? Contract tampering's fake. Like, like these are not, these are not, you, we all, we all know that if someone actually put muscle behind it, none of these contracts would hold up in court. I wish somebody sure. would put muscle behind it for that Me reason. Too. Me too. But I just feel like, like, you know, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just weird. So you consider that tattling? Cause like, I don't know. I don't really, I, I guess I looked at it neutrally, just like almost like a cover your ass for the talent to be like, look, I wasn't. You know, like, I'm letting you know they contacted me. I'm not trying to, like, get out. No, you're right, Megan. Yeah, that's true. That, that's a good point. But but I do think it's funny, like, like Hunter's been in charge for, like, three weeks. And we're already seeing all kinds of aggro shit that I think is great. Like, like, <laughs> like he's counter-programming with that Worlds Collide show on the same day as All Out. <laughs> and he's bringing back all the people that AEW didn't want to sign. <laughs> <laughs> and now this, so this is great. This is this is this is this is, okay. this is, what, this is what I want. <laughs> let's let's flip it on its head, and maybe they told Tony Khan like, "Hey, their people are contacting us. You should go after the guys you want." I don't know. I just. Uh, I mean, is you know, he's it- gonna go talk to Becky Lynch while she's on uh, while she's on um, the mend. Wrestling is such carny shit. Like, is it really like I know in like normal businesses, poaching isn't like looked, you know, it's looked down upon depending on where you're at. But like in wrestling, they're all out for, you know, like everybody's like out for themselves for the money. Not necessarily in a bad way, but like, is it is it looked down upon to to do stuff like that in wrestling, to, like, reach out and just be like, hey, you, like, I know you've got a contract here, but, like, how would you like to come over and join our side? You know, like, is that terrible in the wrestling biz where everything seems upside down and not uh, as you'd expect it to be? Like, uh, On that note, there's a company here in West Virginia that has the same shady contract policies that WWE has. Like, if they if they fire you, you can't work in that field for in like a 500 mile radius for three years. Yeah, but that shit, much like the uh, WWE contracts, it wouldn't hold up in court if pushed. Like uh, non compete clauses are by and large like overreaching, you know? Um, so, like, I get that, but I'm just wondering, like, is it, what's the etiquette on trying to poach somebody from one wrestling company to another? Because that uh wrestling has a unique view of things is Going what i'm trying 90s, to say i'm not sure they have any <laughs> yeah i guess that's what i'm getting at like is it really that bad if somebody like i understand the wrestler being like hey this person reached out to me i'm not interested in leaving like i don't want to be fired you know don't let me go but like is it really such a faux pas for wwe to have reached out to them or for AEW to reach out to wwe people like does that really matter in my opinion, it's really shady for WWE to reach out when they're the ones who act like no one should be reaching out to their people. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's, I mean, that's hypocritical. Um, so yeah. in that sense, they're wrong for sure. But, you know, like how mad should Tony be, you know? 
I am reminded of an episode of WCW Live, the uh, the old internet daily WCW. Basically, I guess it was a radio show. Um, but anyway, early what? An early podcast. Yeah, sorta. Yeah, but they <laughs> the when Chris Jericho signed with WWF, it was like. It was like months before he was out of contract with WCW. And basically he like he gave WWF an intent to sign and basically it basically gave WCW notice that he wouldn't be re-signing. Mm-hmm. And I remember on that show, like the day that that news came out, Mark Madden, who is one of the um the the con men uh uh hosts of the of the show, who's still stirring shit to this day, uh he was just like, How how is this legal? Does this, can we, can we like just go to the rock and say like, Hey, you want to, do you want to like come over here in two years? Or <laughs> I mean, is it bad that like, it didn't strike me that odd as like, it's an intent to sign. I, isn't this how jobs work? Like he, Jericho was like giving the equivalent of my two weeks notice, but it was like, Hey, when my contract's up, like I'm not going to resign. He wasn't like jumping ship mid contract. It was just like, no, I've got other options. I'm Moxley not going did. to resign. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. That's what Moxley did. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I just I just thought that was interesting. Um, and then the last good? thing, the last thing, the last news bit. I just want to shout out uh, Lance Archer's uh, run in the G1 this year, representing for AEW. Um, I'm just going to go over how he did in his block matches. He he lost to Bad Luck Fale on his first match. Uh, but he bounced back by beating Filthy Tom Lawler. Oh. Uh, he lost to Jeff Cobb, but then he defeated Toriano. Then he defeated Jonah. And then, so Okada had eight points, and Lance had six points. And they were up against each other on the last day of the blocks. So if Lance, so if Lance had beat Okada he would have been tied with him for points, but he would have the head to head tiebreaker. So he would have gone on to the semifinals. So he had everything to fight for on the last day, but unfortunately, uh, you know, he was facing Kazuchika Okada and he did not in fact, uh, go to the semifinals and, uh, Okada went all the way and won the tournament today, defeating William Osprey in the finals. But I think, you know, it's 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 a bummer that they only got one. I think it would have been cool if they had had like three or four AEW people, maybe next year. But uh, very cool that Archer uh, went and went and represented, and and he did a good job by all accounts. Yeah, and kudos to him for actually getting to I don't know be competent and do something. I feel like AEW really dropped the ball on him. That's been kind of the the talk of. You know, pe- people who are paying attention to that tournament, that's kind of been the talk this month. Like, wow, like, man, look at Lance Archer <laughs> tearing it up. Yeah. So I don't know if he's going to he be doing more. Gimmick in Japan. What? Does he have a different gimmick in Japan? No, it's the exact same gimmick. Okay. Big but he doesn't Gaijin. have, like, a major... <laughs> He doesn't have Jake Roberts uh, standing next to him, making him look not very tall. Yeah, maybe they should just do that. No, no Jake Roberts, no uh, American Top Team bullshit. 
just just go out there and kill people. I I agree, Jason. I agree. Do you think his performance in the in the tournament will have any effect on when he comes back? How he's handled? I don't know. I hope so. I would like. I think you know. It seems to me like the only time that like he's their guy who it's like, oh darn, we need somebody believable for this title match. Let's like let's heat up Lance Archer for two weeks. He's he's like the Nyla Rose of the of the men's division. Oh yes, that is totally true. God, he's had he's had he's had at least two world title matches on television. And then I think he's had one TNT title match. That sounds right. And he just—he and Nyla should start a stable of just like, like the. No, then Nikki Guerrero will manage him, and we don't want. Oh, that's true. At least, at least she's short. Yeah. Yeah. He towers over her. (laughs) But then she'll then she'll marry him or something, and it will will be bad. All right, we got to do these ratings real quick before we get into show recap. So let's do it. Uh, Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. Megan, what do you think? What do you do? You remember what last week did? Last week got up to mid four hundreds, I thought, or did it four, break five? Four sixty eight. Four sixty eight. Okay. Um, yeah. because Rampage is unpredictable and fickle, I'm gonna say three ninety eight. So it did, so last week it did four sixty eight and a point one five. This week. Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage averaged 528,000 viewers on TNT. Yes. Up up almost 13% from the previous week. Largest audience total for the show since April 8th. In the 18 to 49 demo, Rampage finished 10th on the cable charts with a 0.17, up 13% from last week, and Rampage's best rating in that category since April 22nd. So obviously, the trust busters are are money. I was about to say, I don't remember what's on the show, but after you said that, I remember now. Maybe Trustbusters Huh? Maybe Sunny Kiss is the key. Maybe. Or maybe people saw Parker Boudreaux and they were like, why is Brock Lesnar on (laughs) Rampage? Yeah, maybe that's... On the Sunny Kiss thing, Sunny was way over in Charleston, West Virginia, and I thought... I was really concerned there were going to be inappropriate comments. I'm not well, going to lie. Nice. Yeah. So I, I, I was very happy. <laughs> Good job, West Virginia. All right. Now, on the other hand, Uh-oh. Wednesday's episode of AEW Dynamite averaged 957,000 viewers, uh, down 1.5% from last week. In the 18 to 49 charts, Dynamite finished second with a 0.3, down 9% from last week. And is the second lowest rating the show has drawn in that category since moving to TBS in January. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wasn't everybody aware that Kenneth Omega was going to show up? Like, how do you not? I expected Wait, so it to last, crack a million. That was last night? Yeah. That, that was the last night show? Yeah. Do you think it's because they only had four matches announced? <laughs> I don't know. It did occur to me, like, during the day, because I know we talked about that, you and I, Jason, that, you know, like, but then I realized, like, oh, but one of them, the two out of three falls match, it's probably going to be really long. And it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, Guys, yesterday, not yesterday, Tuesday, 
I was forced I, to go on Twitter because of work. And I was oh, looking no. I was looking at a work-related tweet and in my sidebar it said trending Don Callis. And you know I got to click on that. So I clicked it and I was like, oh, there's this is just a list of people being like, Kenny's coming back and so will Don. It's it was all related to Kenny coming back. So I'm I'm a little bewildered that there was not more enthusiasm for Wednesday's show. Well, it's your periodic reminder that Twitter is not real life. That's why I'm not on there except when forced to for work. Yeah. Andy, anywhere in social did they promote the CM Punk uh, talking segment. So that's, that's actually interesting, Jason, because they did, but not until really late, which does lend credence to the idea that maybe they didn't know if he was going to show up. Yeah. I, uh, well, I, I questioned, cause I was like, normally if the champ is going to speak, they have like three different graphics about it. And I had not seen any. And I was like, is CM Punk not going to be here? It's Moxley not going to be here. I, and you know, they didn't promote pro- anything promote anything for Jericho. So I question whether all three of them were even going to be there. So they all were, but obviously I. Do you think that's why they did that as the first thing? Because I was a little surprised they don't usually open with a not wrestling match, you know, like. (laughs) I thought they were just playing with the format, especially since they like had it kind of recur later. It it reminded, and we'll talk about it, but it reminded me a lot of that episode of um, uh, Raw the night after the Brock Undertaker SummerSlam, where they just like kept having pull-aparts throughout the night. <laughs> God, that was so good. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that. <laughs> I was surprised it didn't come back a third time, to be honest, or at least not like having a backstage version of it or something. Right, yeah. Okay, or or continue it on stage. Like... <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit, they're still fighting. Two days later. Let's get into it. Uh... AEW Rampage, this was the show for August 12th. Did you watch this show, Jason? I I did, but until you mentioned the Trustbusters, I couldn't remember what was on. <laughs> <laughs> what was the draw. Okay, yeah. fair enough. We usually we usually speed through the Rampage recap pretty quickly because I don't I don't take Fine. notes, I just look at a format. So <laughs> there's also only four matches usually. Hey, there's only four matches on uh, Dynamite, so all right, this was Quake by the Lake Part 2 from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, we start out with a Brian Danison promo, and uh, basically this is just the setup for the 2 out of 3 falls match, because Daniel Garcia came out and uh, and did a promo, and basically saying Daniel Bryan, sorry, Brian Danielson, uh, I, will, I will stop doing that at some point. Uh, Brian Danielson is his hero, but... He's made him sad because, <laughs> because I guess because he like he retired or whatever. <laughs> Isn't that always the way of these conflicts between a young person and their here like the older generation? You were my hero, but then you left. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, then we had our opening match. It was the Triplea mixed tag team title on the line: Sammy Guevara and Ty Mello. Mm. versus Dante Martin and Sky Blue. This was fun. I like this. Yeah, I wish they would be more explicit about Dante and Sky. That's my only criticism. It has nothing to do with wrestling. Like you want them to make out too? I don't want them to make out, but I want... It's just weird to me that it's like, look, Sammy and Ty, hot and heavy over here. You know they're a couple. 
they never really connect the dots on Dante and Sky Blue. It's just like, and then we found a boy and a girl to put up against them. You know, like, I just think it's weird that they don't acknowledge it. They don't need to lick each other. And the crowd around me thought, oh, this is probably for Dante and Sky Blue to get a win. And then it wasn't. So, like, everyone was like, oh. Guys, Ty (laughs) and Sammy. It was Ortiz for some weird reason. Yeah, Ty and Sammy just got married. They're the worst. Um, of course they're going to win. But I, I like the match, though. I'm just I'm just saying. Yeah, it was good. My only criticism was unrelated to anything wrestling-wise. <laughs> I acknowledge I that. I enjoyed the Flippy Boys. You enjoyed the what? The Flippy Boys. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing their flipping. Next up, we had Parker Boudreaux, uh, much talked about on this show so far today, versus Sonny Kiss. And uh, Sonny, you know, tried for about 45 seconds and then uh, then got uh, beat by a big slam. And, and, you know, at that point, it's like, oh, poor Sonny Kiss. But who knows? Who knew what would become of Sonny Kiss later that night? It was Brock 2002 versus the Hardys. Kinda, yeah. But I mean, yeah, the Hardys got more offense though. <laughs> I would, that yeah. was like they could at I least get, swing chairs. See, that was the thing. Is like I know it came back later, but in the moment, I was like, "That's all Sunny Kiss gets." This is the first time I get to see Sunny Kiss on my television in two years, over a yeah. year. <laughs> I was trying to think if it was months or years, but like, yeah, and 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 this is it. 45 seconds of destruction. It was November 2020. Oh my God. That sounds and, uh, like so long ago. Sonny comes back and is falls victim to a hate crime on the first. I'm first glad you made the death. joke because I, <laughs> I wanted to, but I thought it was too dark. <laughs> uh, backstage, Andrade and Roosh, uh, they're like, beat it, private party, hit the bricks. We don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess they're done because thank private, goodness. Yeah. I mean, is that the unofficial breakup of the AFL. now Andrade family office or whatever? I hope so. What a that was like the worst stable in history. Finally. I mean, Finally. poor Andrade inherited it in a way that I don't think he needed to. Could have just broken that shit up. Yeah. Uh, we get the Gun Club versus Danhausen and Eric Redbeard, and. Uh, Good old Redbeard. He's like he's like their ringer for whenever they go to Minnesota. It's great. It's always great to see him. I don't want them to sign him. I just want them to make sure they go to Minnesota twice a year. So I think you're covered. Give this man a job twice a year, but only yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um. He is. He's. He's so enormous. It's ridiculous how big this guy is. And you know what? I think he's gotten better. Well, he's Fair always WWE. Like, no, he never had good matches in WWE except like those six mans. But, but yeah, do you remember the stairs match against the Big Show? Ugh, <laughs> it's a good get anything involving stairs. Yeah, in it's WWE. a good thing Jenny is not out here to <laughs> talk about her feelings on the stairs match because they would be angry. Yeah, but anyway, um, so this was uh, I, this surprised me. It went a long time. Uh, Danhausen got pinned. And so that was the first surprise because I thought like, oh, you don't put you don't put the super team of Beardhausen together to beat them, but you, apparently you do. And then 
The second thing that surprised me was that Billy Gunn was mad at his sons for winning a match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Which not I mean, kind of kind of played out on Dynamite, but in a, in a kind of a weird way. So we'll, we'll talk about that. He's a confusing father. He is a confusing father. Um, Keith and Swerve are not too concerned about private party since Keith Lee has beaten them both in singles matches. And, uh, that trend would continue on dynamite and <laughs> no spoilers, Jason, but I'm just guessing that it wasn't that big an issue on rampage. Uh, um, I'll tell you my mom's comment during the match and then okay. you can figure out what it means uh, when you watch rampage. Um, she said, are either of these teams supposed to be any good? Whoa. <laughs> That's shots fired. Jason's Easy. mom. She, she said it before Keith Lee got in the ring, though. So I will okay. I will give her that. All right. Wow. So she's salty uh, during the entrances is what I'm assuming. Because why would Keith Lee no, not no, be no. there? It was during the first part of the match. Oh, my but God. But there was just some oh, going on. Before, before Keith uh, tagged in. Yeah. Okay. okay. I was like, what? Okay. Here's my favorite part of the show. Oh, gosh. Hook is being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. And Tony's not really getting much out of him, but he does kind of, he leads him along in his Tony Schiavone way. He says, like, as I understand it, Hook, the FTW title is always an open <laughs> challenge. And then a man called the reality Zach Clayton appeared. And he says that he's from New Jersey and he's better than hook. And, uh, it's the reality Zach Clayton. He's, he's Jay Wow's boyfriend. So. So is honest to God, I thought that this might be a discovery tie in with Jersey shore or something. And then I remembered that they don't own Jersey shore. Nope. They wouldn't dare is, um, is he a wrestler or is yeah. this uh, okay? I I honestly was like, when he said he's from Jersey, I was like, oh my, is this a stunt? Like, is this a reality TV stunt? Is this going to be a Logan Paul situation? I Even though I hear the here, so I was like, oh, you are a wrestler. Okay, okay, because like, you never know. I mean, the Logan Paul thing. I hate him. He's a, a terrible person, but apparently he's good at wrestling, which is like kind of upsetting. Um. But I was genuinely like, I could see this guy on like Jersey Shore. So is he from Jersey Shore? He's yeah, sort of. He's from the spinoff show Jersey Shore Family Vacation because since oh Jersey God. Shore ended, he has become Jay Wow's fiance. Okay. So I guess he did. If you remember character. who Jay Wow is, I remember Jay Wow. I remember Snooky. I actually you have. Mean, you mean TNA's Jay Wow? You mean what? WrestleMania winner Snooki? Snooki? She did a she did a handspring. Yep, <laughs> that's what it was. Um, she did that. Uh, I was. She was honestly one of the highlights of WrestleMania 27, which isn't saying much, but she was. <laughs> I mean, to to her credit, I heard that Snooki was going to be a celebrity guest, and I was like, "This is going to be a pile of trash." And then she really nailed it. <laughs> so yeah. like, good, good for Trish Stratus and Dolph Ziggler. Because they probably were the ones who trained her. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I mean, she she did not embarrass herself. And I really thought she would. Jason, you can spoil this. Does Zach Clayton, did Zach Clayton get to do a move to Hook? <laughs> okay. 
I filmed Hook's entrance, and I thought the entrance was still happening and the match ended. (laughs) Did the music not even turn off before the match was over? It it turned off, but they were, like, doing, like, the in this corner, and then they went to a finish. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, Zach Clayton, that's not a great first look for you. (laughs) So I have the whole thing on video. Sweet. (laughs) I might ask you to send me that later. From hook coming out to hook leaving is four minutes. <laughs> oh my god! Okay, that sounds lovely. Uh, and then finally, the main event. This like, and I'm not joking. This was the main event: Orange Cassidy versus Ari Davari. Um, again, this is this is like all trust busters all the time this week on Rampage, and apparently it worked in the ratings. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was okay, but it's like it's like you never had one second of doubt about who was going to win, even with all the trust busters busting trust around the ringside. Um, <laughs> you know, Orange wins, and then you know, there's like a big fight at the end between the best friends and the trust busters, and Sunny Kiss comes out, and you're thinking like, oh, Sunny Kiss here to save the day, but no, Sunny Kiss turned heel. Sunny, which I thought was I think is great because at least it's like it, honestly like anything that gets Sunny Kiss on TV is good I think I do agree it's with that refer- yeah and if Sunny's joining the Trustbusters which I assume is what's happening um, yes since they seem to be really in love with the Trustbusters maybe that means more TV for Sunny which would be great uh, also. <laughs> My favorite part of the pre-match stuff, because you know they do those interviews, is when Orange Cassidy said, well, there's been enough talk. And then Mark Henry's like, wait, Orange, that's my line. And Orange is like, oh, okay. And it was just, Mark Henry sounded so like, wait, I like to say that. It was magical. I, I, won't, I won't spoil it, but there is a play off that on Rampage this week. Okay. Like it's a continuation. Okay, so, that, make, that just it part made me. Two on Friday. It made me so happy that Mark Henry's like, wait, I get to do this. What are you doing? And I don't know why Orange Cassidy felt the need to talk because generally he's pretty quiet. So I don't know. It's just funny. Okay, Megan, uh, I believe that makes it time for dynamite. Hell yeah, dynamite guys! Do you like dragons? Because they come up a lot during this show Um, you texted me at the beginning of the show and just said dragons 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 yeah well good lord i mean the theme of the show is house of the dragon but um i was i don't want to say forced that's not correct this week i watched on the tbs app yeah that's what this show is on the tbs app so i didn't I got picture in picture, but not the way I usually do, which really bothered me. But every commercial break began with the same House of the Dragon commercial, like preview. And by the end of it, I was like, I get it. It's coming this Sunday. Stop showing it (laughs) or at least show different commercials for it because it was excessive. Um, But in this show, uh, it starts out with a non-dragon theme, like at least... We don't get to the dragon theme right away as far as, like, show content. We start out with the punk thing that we've already sort of talked about. Um, 
Punk comes out, he teases a jump into the audience, and then kind of shakes his head like, I've made that mistake before. Um, so he doesn't jump. He he gets in the ring, the audience is like, yay, we love you. And then the awkward part happened, and it was like, he said he's going to challenge someone from around these parts, which Jason has clarified, that is not in fact where Adam Page is from. And um, he says that that's not cowboy shit, that's coward shit, and demands a de- an apology for the disrespect. Honestly, my notes don't reflect like any of the obvious undertones of this because I was just like, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening, but whatever. Um, and then Punk moves on. Like he he does his bitter segment and then he turn like turns 180 and he's like talking about John Moxley, this guy. He's always number two. He's always the third best guy in his own group. Um, And he says that seems to be a recurring theme in his career, which I thought was a funny dig. And I love Moxley. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he kind of like gives him shit for talking about, you know, he's like he's always out here talking about violence and drinking blood and breaking bones and uh, between the two of us, I'm the only one who's broken bones within the past six months. And he does, like, acknowledge, like, sure, they were mine, but still, like, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> and then he goes in on Moxley's friends, who are no better. He says, Eddie, referring to Kingston, um, Im- like, the implication, he doesn't say Kingston, but he says, he's the third best Eddie and the second best Kingston that Punk has faced. And Andy, did you ever figure out who the third eddie was in this math yeah well i think so um jason is it eddie edwards no that's who i thought originally but then um i was talking to jeff jacobs last night about it and he looked it up and eddie edwards didn't have his first ring of honor match until december of 2006 so punk was long gone by then we so yes yeah yeah because he had a couple of matches with eddie on the indies um and then the belief is that the third one is Eddie Fatu, aka Umaga. Deep oh. cut. Okay. Yeah. I okay. didn't remember his name. Yeah. So yeah, so he he buries Kingston, and then um, in much the same manner, he says, you know, heading into Chicago, Moxley isn't even the first John I'm going to beat there which is a reference to John Silver. So, I... Nope. No, not John Silver. John Cena. Am I there an idiot? Yeah. I'm such an idiot. Were... I was thinking AEW, guys. You were, you, were watch, you were watching wrestling when that happened. Yeah, but I was just thinking AEW. <laughs> I'm trained by WWE to only, like, stay within the, the promotion that it's happening <laughs> in. Okay. Yeah, so... Uh, at this point, John Moxley cannot take it anymore. So his his music hits. He does his walkout. And as Jason said, Punk is like, oh, it's going to take him forever to get here. He does Snow Angels in the ring. Um, I hope this doesn't mean that he and Moxley have actual legitimate heat. I, I thought they were friends. Um, but my world is, you know, crashing down among, like, around me with these things. Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully no heat, but like Moxley gets there and he says, you know, I'm the heart and soul of this interim championship. And every time I think of like, every time somebody says it's the interim, 
I think of punk at you and it makes me sick. And punk's like, I don't give a shit. And then um, Moxie's like, punk, you ran out of your fighting spirit a long time ago. I don't expect you to do shit about this. Uh, presumably at the pay-per-view, which, you know, obviously that's changed, but um, things between them break down pretty quickly and they start brawling and it takes AEW security to run in and break them up. Although, it takes a couple tries because they just keep like slipping. They're they're like wrestler, like wet wrestlers, you know. They just keep slipping out of those grips from those security guards <laughs> and going after each other. So uh, Moxley rips off his shirt at one point and just starts pacing around the ring like a loon. And I'm like, I love it, so good. Um, but yeah, that segment ends with the continued effort to break them up. <laughs> Did you so enjoy Megan, the smooch? Fun. Did I enjoy what? Did you enjoy the smooch? Oh, with Effie? No, the 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 one uh, Mox laid on Punk. Did he smooch him? Yeah, he smooched him. That's what that's what led to the fisticuffs. Oh, I just thought he got real close to his face. No, he he laid, he laid a smacker on him. Oof. He's been he, he's been doing that lately. <laughs> you know, Megan. Guess what? What? So. All of the security guards you saw in that segment were the jobbers who lost on Dark. <gasps> they actually put them on Dark and then were like, throw on a security shirt. You got to get yeah, out there. Everyone was like, wait a minute. Those were all the losers. Like, because they, ha- they had very obvious hair and tattoos and stuff like that. So we were like, hey. I mean. The, the one with the bleached, the like, the like, kind of like shoulder length, the bleached hair looked like Austin Theory. Facially, I didn't notice. So I knew that they did that. Like, obviously, they use like their enhancement talent, but it's weird that they like had them wrestle and then in front of the same audience. Yeah, it was like, hey, could you just ignore what you saw ten minutes ago? We were were like, you don't work here. Wow. I guess when you lose the match in AEW, you automatically get put on security detail. Interesting, and then Wardlow beats you up. Um, that's not that's not in the show, but yeah. Uh, with regard to Moxley's smooches, I dig them. Um, but also like Moxley, I know it's just a gimmick, but you got to get consent for that. Effie seemed to really like it, um, so I guess that was okay. (laughs) Uh, You don't need consent if they want it. Oh, that's a bad line of thinking, Jason. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm just paraphrasing what you said. No, oh no. Get consent, but also like I can't deny the fact that I really liked watching Moxley kiss other men. That's a me thing. Um that's for me. So anyway, pivoting away from, from that, uh I guess, you know, after while that all is happening, obviously we need to go backstage because they got to sort that shit out before we, you know, return to the live area. Tony Schiavone is backstage talking to powerhouse Hobbs. He asks Hobbs, why did you attack Ricky Starks? I thought you were friends and it's confusing why you decided to turn. And Hobbs says he did it because he thinks that Ricky became okay with losing and Hobbs is not okay with losing. He said Ricky always hid behind him and 
he claims that he Hobbs was hired to do one thing and that was to keep the FTW world championship on Ricky. And so now that that's kind of over, he doesn't really need to, I guess, do that anymore. So he's over it. Um, I guess they weren't really friends. And uh, he also just takes a second to say, I'm going to destroy the factory because I hate them, which is fair. This was one of the segments that we did not see in the arena. They didn't even show it on the big screen. Wow. I saw it on the soundboard monitor, oh. but I couldn't hear it. Well, I hope you feel comforted to know that Powerhouse Hobbs doesn't like Ricky Starks and hates the factory. I figured he was doing a self promo, so I like I was just like fancy booking it in my head. Like, who does he hate? Mm, f- let's just pick Ricky Starks and anyone in his periphery. It's you know it's a shame that Hobbs gets taken away from Starks and then gets pointed towards the factory because I feel like that's just um, the beginning of a downward spiral, and hopefully he doesn't have to go down it. But uh, watch out, Hobbs. But that's okay. By the time that interview's over, I guess the the ring has been cleared, and now we get you know our first dragon references of the night. We got Ooh. Brian Danielson. Against Brian Danielson, the American Dragon. Going up against Daniel Garcia, the self-proclaimed Dragon Slayer. Yes. In a two two out of three falls match. Um, These two put on a hell of a show. To the point where, like, I fully believe that Brian might have actually, like, hurt himself after the first fall. When he got pile-driven by Daniel Garcia. Uh, and then pinned. Um, you know what I noticed about that pile driver guys? I was really paying attention. Brian Danielson, the reason that he succumbed to uh, the submission hold after the pile driver is he did not tuck his neck. That's what I thought. The way the way that like William Regal uh, has taught them, and I wonder if William Regal not being there last night um, caused him to lose like a little bit of his edge. He actually did what you do for a Styles Clash, which is what I thought was going to happen. And I was like gasping when I saw a pile driver. And I was like, I hope he didn't actually hurt his neck. Yeah. Me too. Um, Why was Regal not there? Yeah, ra- I guess he just had, the, had just had the day off, I guess. Yeah, it's it's rare for him not to join commentary when his guys are doing stuff. But yeah. Yeah, then free box backstage. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, so yeah, I was very concerned about that first one, but that was one of three falls, so Danielson ended up getting the second pin, he, he recovered, he got his, got it together, he rolled up Garcia when Garcia went for another hold, and, uh, got the pin on him there, and then, finally, Danielson got the, the third, the second of the three falls, um, with, the LaBelle lock. Garcia didn't tap out. He passed out. So he, you know, obviously doesn't lose any credit in that sense that he, like, refused to tap and instead uh, allowed Daniel Danielson to, like, take him out. And that's how the match ended. Surprisingly, very little blood. There was blood, but it was not a gusher. Which I appreciated. Me too. I think Garcia is um, going to be going to be world champion in the next like few years. He talented. Yeah, 
He's talented. He's like 24. Oh, my God. There were a lot of people in the crowd, even before the match, who liked him. So, he has that organic fan base kind of, like, growing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's good. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he, I think, continued to build it after the match um, because because he had been choked out and not tapped out. When he came to, he kind of reached over and tried to, like, continue wrestling very weakly. And Danielson was clearly impressed by this and, and respected it. And so they stand up to face each other. And Brian is like... You know, he extends the hand. He looks like he he really respects this kid and what he tried to do. And Jericho has been on commentary this whole time, which was a nightmare, as per usual, when he is allowed to commentate. And so, at this point, he leaves the commentary table, and he uh, blindsides Ryan as, right as Garcia reaches out his hand to take Danielson's hand, Jericho just knocks him out um, from behind. And Garcia actually stops Jericho from doing any further damage, which really pisses him off. Um, the crowd is like, Garcia, yay, you win. And at this point, start chanting, you're a wrestler, as Jericho gets in his face and is like, you better think about this. So, Jason, was it fun being a part of that chant? Yes. And I had to explain to my mom why it wasn't a completely stupid chant. <laughs> She's like, obviously. When they chant, this is wrestling, you're like, yeah. Duh. I was like, Jericho's group is a sports entertainment group, and Brian's group is the wrestler group. And she was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She's not watching AEW, obviously, so she does not understand these storylines. But that was a super fun chant. Like, I just, like, the whole arena was doing it. Most people were standing while they were doing it. It was, it was pretty awesome. And I, I will mm-hmm. say, if he joins the Blackpool Combat Club. I think that's my favorite fivesome in wrestling right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been, I don't know, I've been thinking about it, though. Like, if he joins the Blackpool Combat Club, he's like, at best, he's the number four guy. If he screws Brian Danielson and, you know, and sticks with Jericho, that could, like, shoot him up to, like, number two in the JAS. This this is my fantasy booking. Because there's too many people in JAS for my liking. So, if Daniel Garcia goes to Blackpool Combat Club that evens it up five on five, do, like, the classic Survivor Series type match... And let Garcia tap out Jericho. Mm. Yeah, you can do that. I always complain that AEW doesn't have like these like big marquee things where you get all the main eventers together in one match. So give me this. <laughs> that... You mean aside from Blood and Guts and Stadium Stampede? Well, I'm like, we talk about the fact they don't have like a Royal Rumble or something like that. Um, right. So give me a, I don't like, I don't think Stadium Stampede to me and what what they did with the um, Anarchy in the Arena, I just, I 
I'm over garbage matches. And War Games, to me, is something you maybe shouldn't do annually unless you have a pay-per-view called War Games or something. Like, um, that needs to be reserved for proper uh, faction feuds. NXT got away with it, but the last, like, two weren't that well-built. You know what I mean? But they did do proper faction feuds for both Blood and Guts. I know, but I'm saying, like, in the future, like, we can't do Blood and Guts now. We already did it. Well, no, no, but I'm just saying, like, I mean, you know, it's like, isn't isn't that just, like, Tony Khan's job to make sure that there is a proper faction feud brewing around around that time every year? It is, but I'm saying this feud's still going, and we have possibly a five-on-five now, and it's like, what do you do with five guys in the fall? Do a Survivor Series. Okay, yeah, no, I I agree with you there, yeah. Honestly, if Blood and Guts was a pay-per-view, Triple H would try to counter-program it, so it's just best it's on a Wednesday night. Maybe they'll move NXT back to Wednesdays. Oh my god. Well, we have, like, Raw SmackDown Super Show on Wednesday on Fox or something. Bitter. Um, I respect both of your ideas. I do think, Andy, that it would be funny if Garcia used this to work his way up in the JS and then eventually toppled the regime, much like uh, MJF did. But, like, I don't hate him as much. I think Fair the enough. story fits too well with him being the only one in JAS that's not molded in that sports entertainment vibe. Like, the the 2.0 guys that I can never remember, Matt Menard, and I can never remember the other one's name. Daddy Angela Magic. And yeah, cool, yeah. Um, so they, they personify, like, the, the sports entertainment version of wrestlers that like Vince McMahon would put out on TV and cutting those promos like with Mean Gene or something. Um, Sammy Guevara and Ty are very over the top, like um, goofy characters. Um, and Jericho, obviously. The only one, that, Jake Hager is probably the only one that doesn't fit, but he's the heavy for Jericho. So he's like the diesel or whatever. So. Garcia doesn't look good in the goofy hat, doesn't look good in the silly clothes. I beg to differ. I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> I can't stand the hat. I think it's hilarious. I think I it encompasses everything he wants to be. I also can't stand the wife beater and slacks. Like, wear jeans. <laughs> well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see young Daniel's fate play out, I guess. Yeah, but, talk uh, to us about Swerve and Keith Lee. Swerve and Keith Lee. Tony Schiavone is talking to them backstage. Um, They are with Private Party. And you know these two teams sort of hate each other from history. So Swerve and Our Glory has a match against Private Party on Rampage. And they're putting their AEW World Tag Team Championships up uh, for it. Um, I guess Private Party bragged that they're now ranked because that was like kind of a thing. (laughs) that Swerve and Our Glory was saying, like, you're not even ranked. And so they were like, guess what, bitches? We're ranked at number five, so <laughs> you can suck it. And I'm like, not a hot brag, guys. <laughs> I like them celebrating being ranked five. Yeah, it's it, they were like, it was just like, in your face, we're number five. And Keith Lee and Swerve were just like, cool. We're not worried. 
So they're going to have a match on Rampage. I suspect that the tag team championships are not going anywhere, but we'll see. After that, Tony Nese has a match against someone we'll never know because he is on his way out to the ring. uh, And very quickly, um, John Moxley just like runs through him. Because he's decided now is the time he's going to the ring. He gets a mic. He demands CM Punk come out and fight him right now to unify. Are you, are you in denial that he tripped and fell? Yes. <laughs> okay. If I don't say he it, almost, it didn't happen. It looked, like, it looked like he almost rolled off the stage. <laughs> like, he he went down and everyone's like, <gasps> and then he's like, pops up and starts kicking him and beating on him with some more. It was just like, he hit what? him so fast. Like, it was just, like, bam. He's in his, like, state, okay? I'm I'm not going to question it. He made it to the ring. He made it to the ring. And he demanded that they, that Punk come out here and they fight and they unify the AEW World Championship now. Um, Punk, uh, he seems to oblige because he walks out and he's uh, followed closely by a group, the same group of AEW security guys who kept him away, and they do their best to keep him away from Moxley again. And this time, Wheeler Yuta and Claudio run out to keep Moxley um, separated, and I just think it's adorable how Claudio, the strongest man in the world, just picked up Moxley like a weird little baby. Like, (laughs) it just, like, held him multiple times. I'm like, oh, Claudio. And Moxley just sort of calmly, like, allowed it to happen, which was also funny, but, um, you know, this was the second brawl they got split up. There was no unification. This match didn't happen. It was just a chaos. Chaos. <sighs> Backstage. Small point of here, they when they left, they walked right like right in front of us. Like oh. when, uh, the Blackpool Combat Club left through the crowd. They walked right in front so of us. So lucky. So lucky. I was hoping Claudia would carry him out. I thought that would be hilarious. I would love it. I would love it. Let him walk. Have you? I've never seen someone manhandle a man the size of John Moxley the way Claudio just. It was. It was amazing. It looked like it was zero effort too. He just. He just wrapped his arms around him and lifted him off the ground so he couldn't. You know, his feet were waving, and it's just like, no, John, we have to go. I think part of the plan was that Wheeler would grab, like, one arm or something. Because then Wheeler's staying there like he has nothing to do. Like, Claudio took all the job. Like, I was going to help, but you're, you know, you're doing it. Claudio's like, I don't need your help, kid. I'm the strongest man in the world. Um, also, really weird fact that I love with, like, their their carny crap between their Wednesday show and their Friday show. Claudio and Wheeler are shown on rampage and they're wearing completely different outfits than they're wearing in this segment and it's like an hour and a half later you gotta live the gimmick. <laughs> I, I thought that was like tremendous you gotta live the gimmick now um here's something that i've always been confused about do they literally say to the crowd like jason did they come out and go now we're filming rampage so we're gonna call it friday night and you're just gonna go with it they don't acknowledge that they're going to call it Friday night. They're like, you get to see Rampage two days early before everyone else. Okay. And they exactly. Like okay. They probably they probably don't really have much occasion to say Friday night to the live audience, right? Well, Swerve and Our Glory in their interview said, we'll see you Friday. And then we see them like two hours later. So 
I guess, like, obviously at this point, all the fans know it. It just always seemed kind of weird to me. Like, how do they hand like, like the NXT tapings where it's literally a month's worth of shows. I always wondered, like, yeah. you just saw people um, cut a promo on how they're going to face one two weeks from now. And then they just, like, did it like an hour later. It's like, that's very weird. But I, I guess uh, everyone's acclimated to that at this point. Yeah. Justin Roberts acts like this is our little secret. You get to see it early. <laughs> all right all right bud he's tremendous okay so backstage we get more updates on ongoing conflicts tony shivani is talking to jericho who was flanked by daddy magic matt menard cool hand angela parker jericho says he's going to give garcia a pass for what happened this week but he does want to talk it through with him face to face next week's because he wants to figure out whose side he's on. You know, he really took it personally that Garcia didn't allow Jericho to um, beat up a hurt Daniel Bryan. Like, or Bryan Danielson, sorry. Uh, you know, a battle-worn Bryanson. Bryanson? Bryan. I'll never get his name right. <laughs> I refuse. Um, Ricky Steamboat. the dr- Ricky the Dragon. Steamboat. That's the tie-in. He was the guest timekeeper in the first match. He's here, and he's um, offering his unsolicited advice to Chris Jericho. He's like, hey, I don't think that you should have anything to do with Garcia. You'll ruin him. I think Danielson should mentor him. And Jericho's like, fuck you, Ricky. (laughs) He didn't say that, but it was like, that was the vibe. And then Angela Parker gets in. Ricky Steamboat's face like an idiot and tells him to stay out of Jericho's business and immediately gets punched, punched like for his efforts. It's Angelo, stupid. I was glad they did this because when he was the guest timekeeper, you know, they made a big deal that he was there. We could see him in the crowd and then he did nothing. So we thought, because everyone thought he was going to do something like punch Jericho out there or something. And Now, Jason, it's unfair of you to discount his effort as uh someone who kept time because he did that he did his job no. I, um, guess. I don't know he could have been sitting there asleep <laughs> i really like uh i really like jericho's obsession with whenever he has an issue with someone he always t- says next week we're going to talk about it in the <laughs> middle of the ring like this has ha- been happening for three years <laughs> I need time Every to build an argument. Like, and they mostly and most of them have like special names too. Yeah, yeah I'm wondering what they're going to promote this one as because like this is one of my pet peeves. I hate that they do that. <laughs> well, he's I think the, it's funny. He's the demo god, so like you don't get demo points, I guess, without making a very concerted, separate sort of thing for yourself. You know, like. I need this discussion to be officially called, like, The Reckoning. Or, like, I don't know. They're going to call it Daniel's Decision. The Parlay. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's so... It's funny, because it's like... I don't know. In some ways, ways I believe it, though, because Jericho seems like the kind of person who really needs to step back and, like, think about stuff. Because, you know, he's... He's, like, got a hair trigger. He needs to just, like, chill out for a second. But also, are they just not going to communicate between now and then? Does the JS, like, never talk between shows? They're not are they, allowed. 
they're not going to like share no. craft services like what haven't haven't you learned that like even when you're in a relationship you don't see your spouse but on tapings it's true like uh, i'll i'll settle this conflict with you in a week don't talk to me until then what a wild way to live but i guess i we'll see it we'll see it next week i'm assuming garcia is going to play nice i don't know hope so yeah, so uh, believe it or not, guys, we are only at the second match of the night at this point. It is a super, super quick squash match where the Gun Club destroy the Varsity Blondes. Colton Gunn gets the pin on Griff Garrison with the Colt 45. I was so mad. Like, I was livid. Did somebody's did, did, did their time get cut, do you think? I don't know, because I really wanted to see freaking... <laughs> Um, Brian Pillman Jr. He had he, he did nothing and doesn't even get in the ring. Let me ask you this, Jason. Why? I like Brian Pillman Jr. Okay, I like I, him I more than Griff Garrison. I didn't know. I didn't know that Brian Pillman Jr. really had fans, so to speak. Yeah, I took his picture and everything. Okay. It is. It is sad he got he didn't get tagged in like he just he had nothing to do in this match, which Andy, I think, speaks to it must have like time must have gotten cut because do they ever really do matches where a tag team like not not jobbers, but a ta- like an established it, tag team like doesn't each person get to tag in at least once? Not that I recall, not, not this company. This was a WWE style match, and that's what kind of made me mad. <laughs> Especially because I knew there were only four matches advertised, and this was one of them. <laughs> yep, and it was quick. It was not what I would call a match. Uh, but in some ways, I'm okay with it, just because, like, I think after the match is where the real magic happens. Um, Billy Gunn gets in the ring, and he tells his sons, hey, guys. I'm super proud of you. I know I've been kind of a dick and super hard on you recently, but so proud, you know, proud Papa. And uh, they share a group hug, but as they're hugging, Stokely Hathaway appears and he walks down the stage and he kind of stops there. And Billy Gunn is like, why are you out here? You know, like, I thought I sort of made it clear this is we don't need you. You're not welcome. And then while Billy Gunn is distracted by Stokely, his sons, his blood relations, turn on him. They jump him, and I guess they've decided to align with Stokely, but, like, what a betrayal, you know? You never expect it from your sons, but they do. And luckily, the acclaimed run out and chase away the ass boys and reunite with daddy ass. And, uh, of course, you know, that means uh, scissor me, daddy. I'm not saying it. Bowens is saying it, but like, scissor me, daddy, daddy ass, you know, <laughs> that happens. I, you know, I have a lot of feelings about this, but I'll just sum it up by quoting Jeff Gersman's tweet uh, that happened right after this aired. Thank you, Tony Khan, for realizing that the phrase scissor me, daddy ass was too powerful to just abandon. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Because he's right. It was too good. And I didn't understand why they took it away from us. 
and now it's back. <laughs> the crowd was like, fuck your sons. This is the well, real team. Yeah, because now it's back and we got rid of the superfluous part of the act. <laughs> I mean, I did really like when they would be like, Papa, Papa, Father. Like all the different ways to address their actual dad. Um, but yeah, I think the true magic is with Billy and the acclaimed. And you know what? And maybe so, maybe maybe they'll so. find like a new dimension for them with Stokely. That's true. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry, Jason, you were gonna say something. So the acclaimed was so over. Like they they were that crowd was on fire for them and um, Did they get to do a rap? I think we were they did later, um, to hype up the crowd for rampage. Okay. They did a custom West Virginia rap. Oh, nice. I'm assuming that means they didn't insult you. They praised you? No, they, they, they talked about country roads and mountaineers and, you know, got all the hometown jive talk in. Nice. <laughs> awesome. Nice. So, yeah, that was a fun one. I mean, I know the match was short, but I thought the, the outcome was great. So we'll see where they go with that. Uh, after that, we get a super quick highlight reel of the ongoing feud between Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Saddam Singh, uh, and Wardlow and FTR. Um, newsflash, they all still hate each other. It's expected. Um, backstage somewhere, Pac, the Lucha Brothers. Wait, 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 hold on, you blew past this way too quickly. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what did I skip? You blew past this so quickly. You blew past the fact that we're basically like setting up a trios match for a pay-per-view between two trios who were not trio enough to be in the trio tournament that is culminating at the pay-per-view. I mean, I thought we covered that last week about how it's kind of a shoddily put together tournament. Well, yeah, but last yeah. week I didn't know that this match was happening at the pay-per-view. Oh. <laughs> and they called themselves the Pinnacle. Well, because yeah. they used to be part of it. Yeah, but that's like a, I feel like that's an MJF, like, you know, sly, let's let's remind you he exists. So are you thinking he comes back and he, like, inherits them again? Like, hey, guys, yeah, I, we're I, all. I, I, I play this akin to all the weird CM Punk references they made prior to him debuting, like people randomly saying his catchphrase or mm. um, saying things that in, like the word pipe bomb or something. So, so they promoted him being there with actually saying he was there. Because um, they're too babyface right now, unless they're going to make MJF a babyface, which I don't think they want to do. How was it even? How would it be possible? He's such an well, asshole. Well, he did get cured last time we saw him. So, I mean, like, it's not unheard of, but he I guess it's was true. Still- I, I truly can't remember who else was in the pinnacle at this point. Also, you can't pair Wardlow with MJF again without it being a complete farce. He would have to apologize. I just, That's I don't true. think MJF's cap- capable. Megan, the answer to that is uh, Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard. Oh, so Tully's in ROH at this point, and then I nope, don't... Tully's gone now, remember? Oh, Prince yeah. Prince Nana purchased the <sighs> Tully Blanchard Enterprises from him and renamed it to the Embassy. Oh, yeah, okay, he's gone, okay. Yeah. Sean Spears is floating around, but without 
MJF, I guess he doesn't really have friends. <laughs> but hey, congrats to him because he's going to be a father. Oh, congrats, Sean Spears. Yeah. Um, and it will be iconic. Yeah. Hey, do you think maybe like there's a chance that they could come back now to WWE after she has the baby and be iconic again? Sure. I depends how Triple H likes her. Or I think them. I think Hunter I think Hunter liked them. Did they? Did they have a good run? Like I I don't I don't think I was not, watching not when they. Really. Okay. <laughs> they broke them up on the main roster for God knows what reason. Wow. Cool. Good, After good putting thinking. them in matches, it was obvious that it was above their ability as a team. <laughs> well done, Vince. Yeah. But you know, Hunter could, or Paul. I don't really know where we're settling on his name, but Paul <laughs> could put them together again. And yeah, what's the other one doing? She, Billy Kay. She's cutting promos for Up, Up, Down, Down. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's cool. Damn. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry, Megan. I derailed you minutes ago. Death Triangle. De- oh. Yes. Well, but you made a good point. Yes. The trios is weird. Um, so a, a team that gets to participate in the tournament, uh, Pac, Lucha Bros, and Alex Abrahantes are hanging out, mentally prepping, I guess, for their upcoming trios tag team championship tournament match. Um, they are going to face the United Empire, which is uh, the two Aussies and Will Ospreay. And I guess Pac has unfinished business with them because um, he says in a very threatening manner, we'll see you in Cleveland, which I just thought was funny because it's like, <laughs> I guess that's a cool place to have a battle. <laughs> I don't know. Not to me, but we'll see you in Cleveland. I don't know. Um, that, they were in- I don't know if he and Will have ever worked. But they probably have. Well, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, they're. European. That's all I can offer. <laughs> They've worked twice. They worked on two shows in the UK. Okay. In 2019. Well, uh, then I don't know what unfinished business he's referring to, but he has it. Well, their one singles match went to a time limit draw. Oh, okay. Interesting. I remember that. I remember that match. Um. I was going to say, um, Death Triangle was in a uh, dark match, and uh, I think they faced the team that had the blonde guy in it. But, Ooh, um, that doesn't narrow it down. Um, be like he was one of the, the, the blonde security guard guys that we saw earlier. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but um, don't know their names. I don't even remember if they told them to us. <laughs> um, but... Um, it was a short match. Everyone did a cool move. I got to say Cerro Mierdo uh, once. Um, and then it was a kid in the front row's birthday. So Phoenix goes and grabs the kid and brings him in the ring, is running around with him on his shoulders. And um, uh, Pinta does his Crip Walk glove takeoff thing and then presents his gloves to the kid. So the whole show, the kid's front row wearing the gloves doing this. And like is so cute. It was. And we got the chant, let's go bastard. It was great. (laughs) Uh, uh, Adorable. (laughs) (laughs) So fun. Aw. 
looks like one of the guys in that trio that uh, they faced is um, none other than the man scout, uh, Jake Manning, who is like yeah, one, of those, was one of those, one of those like irony um, indie wrestlers who popped up in the wake of Orange Cassidy's success, like Dan the Dad. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, he's, he's not a Boy Scout. He is the man scout. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Quite... That sounds like a Chikara act. Was it a Chikara act? No, no. It it was like, it was post-Chikara, but it was like, oh, this Orange Cassidy thing is taking off. (laughs) What weird gimmick can I do? I do should act unaffected. Did you see the interview that Danhausen did where he talked about people who don't think that he's helping um, the portrayal of serious wrestling? And Danhausen said, hey, people like me and Orange Cassidy may not be serious all the time, but we get eyeballs on the TV, and those people then become fans of Dante Martin, Kenny Omega, and these people who are out there, you know, stealing the show. So we're helping in our own way. And I thought that was a really great use of uh, um, uh, expression of how AEW is a plethora of different talents. Yeah. I enjoy their uh, diverse cast of characters. Speaking of which, kind of, uh, Jungle Boy, he's in the ring. And I say a diverse cast of characters because this segment, uh, I was watching this in the living room, which I don't usually do. And my sister, my roommate, um, she doesn't like wrestling. But at the beginning of the segment, (laughs) Jungle Boy comes out and he says I was asked to never ever wear that shirt that I wore two weeks ago and my sister laughed she didn't know what it meant and she asked me what shirt was that and I said it's the shirt that said Christian Cage is a pussy and she sighed because obviously uh, she had she had she was entertained and then disappointed all in one go (laughs) Um, but I thought it was funny and so so Jung Boy's like yeah, I'm not allowed to do that again. Apparently it got, like, it was really popular, but also really bad. <laughs> so The couple behind me thought he was going to take off his jacket and it was going to be on the back of his shirt this time. I I truly thought, like, so you're going to take off a shirt and it's going to be under the shirt? Because, like, yeah. obviously Tony Khan was, like, totally okay with that shirt. Um, so, yeah, Jungle Boy is, like, I've tried to hit Christian a variety of ways, including with a car, which is wild because Tony Schiavone's like, I was there. And I just thought of Andy being like, close call, very close call with that car. Um, so, yeah, Jungle Boy is like, I've, I've tried so hard to get to him and Christian always runs away. And even though he's doing that, I will continue to chase him unless he agrees to face me at all out. So Jungle Boy wants a match. Christian, he shows up before Jungle Boy, like, uh, he starts to say, like, I don't know what the sentence is, but essentially he starts to call him a pussy again. And before he can say the word, Christian shows up and is like, I'm not going to fight you. My answer is no, <laughs> just straight up. And so he walks out to the ring and he he's like, look, things are getting out of hand. OK, I'm actually very proud of you. I. I really want to, like, fix what we had. We could go on another run. This is all obviously Christian heel bullshit because the man is a genius and I love him so much. Um, But Christian is like, young boy, I love you. 
I want you to come back home. And he extends his arms as if to hug Jungle Boy. And Jungle Boy is like, nah, dude. He does not fall for this. And he immediately attacks Christian. And because of this, Christian flips the switch and is like, I hate your guts. (laughs) Like, he just goes off. So um, it was all an act. They brawl and security. But a different security team, I want to say, has to come out and break them up. So Christian... What a dick, but awesome. Jungle Boy, way to scout that. It, it, it's Yeah, this segment was weird. It was uh, it started off with Jungle Boy doing a bad promo because he's not good at promos yet. Oh, and he's just a child. It was, it was, he got wooded for a while, which was, is always a bad sign. Then, thankfully, Christian, uh, the promo master, came out and saved him. And then the crowd got back on Jungle Boy's side because he beat the shit out of Christian. <laughs> yep. So, so it started good. a little rough, but it ended up, he, he he landed the plane okay. Yeah, and you know what? Jungle Boy needs practice. I, you know, maybe he should do it on Dark or even Rampage. Um, but he's trying. And I just, I love Heal Christian. He is such an asshole. It's so great. He's so good mm-hmm. at it. So good. Two things on the segment. The side of the crowd you can see from the hard cam, so opposite where I was sitting, was yeah. where they started the chance. And there were several sections that booed them doing it. I don't know if it came across on TV. So, like, it was the, I felt like the majority of the crowd did not like them doing it. Um, and then there was a small group in my section, I think like several seats behind me, that was trying to get a chant um, going against Christian, telling him to wear socks. <laughs> I did notice. Okay. I, I noticed the, uh, the the pale skin, his pants sort of apparently, reared up when he got the ring. Apparently a big heel move is not wearing socks with your dress shoe. <laughs> I think it's a fashion move. Uh, which I'm like, I don't understand fashion, so you kind of immediately get classified as a heel to me. But yeah, I saw that I saw that ankle skin, and I was like, oh, improper. Yeah. Put it they away. They were very upset. They were, like, they were like, wear some socks, you asshole. <laughs> what, a, what a stupid move, Christian. Get some socks. Anyway, that happened. And yes, it was a different security group. This one was mostly referees, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. They get the higher tier of security for some reason. <laughs> um, but meanwhile, while this is happening, Wardlow and FTR are hanging out together backstage. FTR makes it clear that Wardlow like didn't need help, didn't ask for help. But they're buddies. The pinnacle sticks together. They actually say the pinnacle. Like, they're cool with it. And so that's why they helped Wardlow. Dax steps up and is like, Jay Lethal, you suck. How about you face me? So um, he challenges him to a singles match next week, which I assume gets booked. I don't remember seeing anything about it, but um, I, imagine that's, I imagine that's happening, yeah. Yeah, the challenge was issued. So I, I appreciate that he's confident in himself, but there's I don't know. There's this notion that, like, and I think he's great. Don't get me wrong. But when someone tells you on television that they're the 
best wrestler in the world and you like and you really kind of like I don't I don't know. I just it's like he says it and I don't believe that he believes it. You don't think Dax yeah. believes he's the best? I'm not I just sure think, so how is that, that possible? <laughs> I just think it's so obviously not sub like it's objectively not true when he's not competing as a single. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like so what you're what you you're saying is as a tag team, but you never compete as a single. So how can you say you are the single best wrestler in the world? You could say you're the best tag team in the world. I mean, I will say Dax has had singles matches. I I think between the two of them, he has had more had than Cash. But I I get what you're saying. Like, uh, they they are they are seven star FDR. Like, <laughs> they're a team. I know. It's just it's just like I don't know. Like, it's weird. It just rings false to me after the summer that John Moxley has had, or you know. Uh, like for you know, for Christ's sake, Will Will Osprey was just you know has like did a handful of matches for your company, and he he seems to be at a whole different level, you know, from anybody else. And it just struck me as weird as he's so friendly with CM Punk, and that's literally his catchphrase. Oh, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> we might we might be like hammering this too hard, but anyway, I just thought it, it just it sounded strange to me. That's fair. I mean, obviously, we're all FTR fans here. Jason, I think I assume I don't know. Me and Andy, I, I am begrudgingly on that side. That four belt, man. I want them. I want all four belts. Yeah, they're they're good people. So, uh, I guess we'll see how Dax fares against Jay Lethal next week. I suspect that whether or not he's the best wrestler in the world, as he claims, he probably will be Jay Lethal. But that's neither here nor there. Next up, we have. The women's match of the night, the one, the only, uh, Kylan King versus Tony Storm. Um, Thunder Rosa is shown before the match, and it kind of like the match is is fine. The match itself is fine. I would even venture to say good. But like the story here is that Thunder Rosa before the match is watching from backstage, and she's like very enthusiastic, and she's clapping, and she's like, "Yeah, my friend Tony," and then. After the match, after Tony wins, she kind of looks less excited about her friend Tony. She kind of looks like her friend Tony might be a problem. But she claps, but it's she claps, but she's sarcastic. She remembered that she's going to drop the belt. Oh, yeah. So, Jason, (laughs) you saw none of this. We saw no Thunder Rosa. Well, she was backstage. Um. Having a roller coaster of emotions. Tony Storm was very over. There was a lot of signs for Tony Storm in the crowd. She's great. Kyle, Kylan King, very tall. I thought Kylan King looked uh, really good. Um, like she looked like she's in better shape than she was the last time she was around, and she looked like she'd gotten just a lot smoother. So good for her. Um, I wouldn't mind them bringing her in. They um the crowd for a while uh the beginning got really quiet I think because they didn't know whether Kylan was supposed to be a face or a heel so it's like they, it's like we have nothing against you so should we boo you or not mm-hmm. like and so there was it was kind of like that weird face face dynamic until they started doing big moves and then people just got into the big moves 
Yeah. Now, Kylan King, she's been around, like, forever. Like, since the pandemic days where she was standing on the side cheering. Yeah. But she is not, is she not signed at this point? Or is she just doing her indie thing and pops in when convenient? Like, I I fully expected her to actually be on the roster. No, this was her first um, AEW match since uh, March. Oh, okay. She's been wrestling up I and believe- down the indies. Okay. I believe Dave said briefly on Observer Radio that she left amicably because she wanted to see what other promotions had to offer. Like she would just want kind of like have her own excursion. Okay. I just, yeah. it, it just seems like she was around during the pandemic so much. I feel like the, those times when you get that like ticker on the bottom, that's like dark stuff. She's always <laughs> in there, <laughs> you know, like she's always around. So I'm, I, I guess I was just surprised like at the amount of, wrestling she does for AEW while also still not being apparently signed by AEW. Yeah. She tall though, man. Like she towered over Tony Storm. She tall for sure. Yeah. Good for her. So yeah, she didn't get the win, but I mean, that's expected because Tony Storm is on the rise much to Thunderosa's chagrin. Now the next match is the main event, but before we get there, we get a quick promo for another match in the AEW World Trios Tag Team Championship Tournament, which is a mouthful, but that's what they called it. Uh, the best friends have a tournament match against the Trustbusters, and that will be Friday night on Rampage. And, um, you know, there's there's shit talking between these two teams, as you could you would expect. Um, I don't think we saw that either. <laughs> it, it was quick, but it was just like. You know, the best friends being funny and the Trustbusters being largely silent other than Ari Davari. Now, Jason, did the did the did Orange did uh, the best friends dress up as Rick and Morty again since they were in Charleston? No, they wore their tie dye. Okay. All right. Just checking. It's not Halloween when they're not paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> They could dress up as sharks. Yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of the the trio's tag team tournament, our main event is a match. The first match of it, it, the the quarterfinals. Is that what they called it? I think. It's weird to call them quarterfinals when they're the first ones. Yeah, but these brackets are so small and short and whatever. But anyway, this quarterfinals match, we've got Dragon Lee, Dragon count it uh roosh and andrade versus the young bucks and what seems to be brandon cutler for a hot minute but turns out to be kenneth omega omega yeah he's back guys and he's i think ready like he comes out he's got his compression top on which he does not take off and he's got a shoulder thing like a I don't know, like a brace? I, I don't know what you'd call it. I think, I think it's supposed to be a shoulder brace. I have one, but obviously Kenny's much more physically fit than me, and mine does not fit my body. Kenny's <laughs> I'm, got I'm lost. Too, I'm too small for a shoulder brace. Well, Kenny's shoulder brace, I, I don't know if it's real or or just for show, because it disappeared halfway through the match. Like, it was just gone. It broke. It, broke. it 
it ripped and Michael Nakazawa had to take the rest of it off of him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, which I'm like, I hope that what well, I hope you're okay, but like if it was fake then fine. Um, I don't but- think people realize that he might still be recovering from stuff because the people behind me were asking why he was wrestling in a sweatshirt. And I was like, that's obviously not a sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's it it's a compression top. I mean, I didn't know that, but I was like, it's definitely not a sweatshirt. It's not baggy. Uh, but yeah, like uh, Kenny's back, and I didn't take a ton of notes because I was watching this match because it's a Young Bucks Kenny match, and also like Andrade, Dragon Lee, and Roosh are also like also great. Um, what what a hell of a way to end! Like this match started at like nine thirty. Yeah, which, this was there like twenty two minutes, something like that. Yeah, Jason. Um, was this? How was this live? Was this? This seems like it'd be like a great like party match live. It was. Um, it flew by. Like when they went to the finish, I later found out they were you know rushing the finish, but like no, I don't think anyone expected it to be the finish to be honest. Um, because Kenny was struggling to get the one wing angel up, and I, I was not sure if that was intentional or not intentional. So I thought someone was gonna kick him and he was going to drop the guy or something you know what i mean like i thought there was going to be a a save in the middle um but he hit it and it didn't look very good to me i don't know how it came across on tv Um, no it looked bad it was one of like there were like three and i might be forgetting some so you guys can correct me if i'm missing any but I i feel like there were three key spots in the match that i think we were supposed to like think oh man he's not he's not ready yet and the first was when he did you can't escape and he he did the he did the rolling slam and he wasn't able to kip up out of it like he normally does. He couldn't flip to his feet. He just he kind of crumbled and he kind of looked around. He's like, well, you know. And then uh, the second was the Terminator dive where his knee was like went out, um, which I thought was like the most obvious of the of the of the three. And then I think the third was um, the one winged angel looking weird because realistically. Like Kenny Omega is a strong guy, you know. If he if, and and Dragon Lee is not that big, he I'm sure he could have just hit him with perfect form if he had wanted to. Yeah, especially I, considering do it like multiple times in a match when he was not a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I definitely didn't think. Oh, that was a botched spot. I was like, oh, this is the storytelling that Kenny and the Bucks do. With like that, I will say the Terminator dive one. Even though I know he was doing that on purpose, I felt like he didn't want to do the move. <laughs> like maybe he wasn't ready to do that move. Um, yeah. But when they, when his knee went out, people went oh. And then when he was attacked the second time, when he was going for it, that place booed so much. Like they were so mad you robbed them of a Terminator dive. Like they wanted that move so badly. So I assume that what the trajectory is that like he'll be he'll be a little bit better in the semifinals match and then at the pay-per-view for the finals he'll be like all the way back. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Dragon Lee hit one hell of a dive onto Kenny like when they that spot where they had Kenny seated on the guardrail and they pulled the guardrail way in and and Dragon Lee still almost wiped out a kid. <laughs> I like like <laughs> 
again, my sister was sitting there. She was not looking at the television because she just doesn't have time for this shit, I guess. She was playing on her computer, but I said, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> she looked up. It's <laughs> like, I think he took out a child. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he hit a kid. They put a graphic on before Dynamite starts. List all the things you're supposed to acknowledge as part of the fan code of conduct. And one of them is when wrestlers are on the floor, you may be hit. And you need to be responsible for getting out of the way. <laughs> Feels like that's not a legal they document that will save them. In the way. Oh, my God. Well... I mean, props to, like, Roosh and Andrade because they pulled that barrier as far forward as they could without, like, obstructing the move. But still, like, the people got hit with wrestlers. There's no way around it. Like, whoever was sitting there, they some some part of the wrestler hit them. And I think one of them was a child. Unless they're okay. They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. Like, they're going to be like, I almost got nailed by Kenny Omega. Like, they're going to be. It looked painful, though. Really. Just the the flip. Oof. My first thought was, why are you doing this your first match back? <laughs> like, this looks so dangerous. <laughs> I would have rather he did a Terminator dive than done this. And then what was the uh, the very rushed last image we had uh, as a TV audience back in? Uh, what was it? Oh, God. It was uh, Andrade and Roosh beating the hell out of Dragon Lee. Yes, you're right. Oh, I wrote that down. They're mean. I'm so, like, Dragon Lee is flesh and blood of Roosh, right? I hope I hope that all this means is that they're signing Dragon Lee and he's going to be a babyface. So they had to like do something to split them apart. Yeah, because I think that's what they put the same shit on him that they did with the Lucha Bros, where they tried to like rip the mask off. But like, yeah, they they ripped the mask off, and then they I don't know if this was on camera, but they they each grabbed a side of it and ripped it in half in the middle of the ring. So even if he retrieved it, he put his face. I did not see that. (laughs) Did they? Did Jason? Was there any follow up on that angle on Rampage? No, but post-match, the Bucks came back to the ring with Omega and Don Callis and Nakazawa, and they chased them away, and they were all, like, Nick was all, like, super mad, like, and he, he got um, a piece of the mask for Dragon Lee to put over his face, to, uh, and then Don Callis, of all people, Don Callis donated his coat to put over his uh Dragon Lee's head, I'm thinking, you're the scum of the earth, and why do you care? But anyway, um, um, Nick Jackson, a, um, what a, what a friggin' hypocrite. They, they, they unmasked Pentagon to, or one of the Lucha Brothers to, to win the tag titles from them, didn't they? Yeah, but now yeah, they're but, like turning face. Come on. They're like on their well, way. I, I, I want to tell you this because this is not aired on TV. So Kenny Omega does a pre uh, a promo to the live crowd talking about how he's glad to be back. He's had to make his return. And he says, and just so you know, I'm not a good guy. I might break the rules to win a match in this tournament. <laughs> and then Matt Jackson um, taps him on the shoulder and says, yeah, and you guys like booed us for like a whole year. We didn't forget about that. <laughs> That's so, like. 
it was a funny promo. And then he gave he he gave a really funny thing. Like he's like, even though wrestling for you all is what damaged my body, and you may boo me, and you may be fickle, and you all these all these things. Performing for you is what matters most. It's not wins and losses. It's not championships. It's not even match ratings. It's performing for you all. He goes, I think if you all like owning a cat. Sure, I get mad when you pee in the floor or I have to clean your litter box. But who doesn't love a cute kitty cat? (laughs) (laughs) And that got quoted in like an article. And the headline was like, Kenny Omega compares fans to cats or something like that. And it was in my... That's very on brand for Kenny. It it was great. It was great. Um, and um, he 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 pointed out. Uh, have you all talked about the box guy on your podcast? Yeah. Kip. Okay. Yeah. So he was there. Um, and Kenny brought up the fact that they were there for a Halloween episode of Dynamite, and brought up the fact they faced Jack Evans and Helico, and he goes and somebody else. That I don't remember their name. And he he could be sitting here right now with a dumb box on his head. And I couldn't remember <laughs> who he is. And it was it was so funny. Like it and like it was obvious to me some of the crowd didn't get it, but like a large portion did. And and but it it was great. I, I enjoyed seeing them talk afterwards. Probably why the show went long, but I enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> See, I gotta I gotta get back to an AEW show live. They're very good. Yeah. So okay, here's the here's the like the big question that I wanted to ask all night. Did your mom have fun? <laughs> I, I asked her that. I said afterwards, I said, Did you have fun? And she said, I enjoyed seeing you happy. Oh but I could have gone she said I could have gone with a few less matches <laughs> because she said it was a long night. Uh, we start. We got there at six thirty and didn't leave till almost midnight. <laughs> wow, that is late. It is. It's. It's very nice that. Uh, it's. I. I. I like that you and your mom went together though, and I'm glad that she was. I'm glad that she was happy to see you happy. <laughs> yeah, that's so sweet. <laughs> All right. Um. Okay. So that's dynamite, and that's our show. Except for. Uh, we now have to do the Elite Beat Pop of the Week, which is where we... Not Pop. Plug of the Week. Thank you, Megan. Mm-hmm. Which is where we uh, go around the bend, the the horn, and uh, talk about something we've been enjoying uh, in pop culture uh, this week. And since uh, he is the guest, I will let Jason uh, lead us off. Okay. So I thought long and hard about this when yep. Amy told me this, this was going to be a segment. Um, which I only had like an hour or so to think about it, but I, I, I like my answer. Um, I watched all of Miss Marvel when it aired, and recently I've been listening to podcasts where they're reviewing it, and I've like binged them over the last like three days, like reviewing all, all the episodes. And I love that show in a way that I have not loved any other Marvel show. It is so good. The characters are so lovable and likable, and I feel like I learned more about a culture that I maybe underappreciated in my life. Um, 
And I think that we need more of that in our media. And Iman Vellani personifies um, Kamala Khan. I think she lives that character and she breathes that life into it that you can only get from a true fan. And I think as far as an origin story goes for a new Marvel character, hands down the best one. And I'm excited to see where her career goes. And if you do not enjoy watching the show, there might be something like missing in your life. I don't know what it is, but you need to find it. Jason, don't bring down our listeners. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, I, I watched the first episode. I need to watch the rest of it. Um, but uh, that is an encouraging review from you, Jason. Uh, so that's so that's Miss Marvel on Disney Plus is Jason's plug of the week. Uh, I will plug um, uh, Teen Titans Go, which I've been watching from the beginning on uh, HBO Max. I got really into that. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I really liked the movie that they made in 2017, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I thought that movie was absolutely hysterical. Um, I made Megan watch it at one point. I thought uh, it was funny. Yeah, it's really it. funny. But so, so now, like, I just kind of, on a whim, I just decided, like, well, why don't I go see what, like, you know, how it started and what the source material was and everything. So I've been watching, I've been kind of binging, uh, I've watched like the first 20 episodes, I think, and they're very simple stories. Um, they're all 10 minutes long, which is great. And about half of them end with the implied death of the Teen Titans. And then everything just resets into the next episode anyway. So it's very, it's very low stakes, very like high joke density, because that's it's really just like about comedy more than, you know, story or anything. Uh, but I've, I've very much enjoyed it. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep watching that, but that's, uh, that is Teen Titans Go on, uh, HBO Max. They're only 10 minute episodes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And they're hilarious. So, um, yeah, so that's Teen Titans, uh, Megan. Um, so I don't know what got into me the other night, like literally the other night. Um, but I was like, I need you know, the next holiday is Halloween. Let's get spooky. It's August. <laughs> this makes total sense. So I found this podcast called You Can See Me in the Dark. And this is the description that they give. It's a podcast about true ghost stories told by the people who survived them. Which, uh, whether you believe in ghosts or not, I don't think it matters. It's just a fun, like, um, I don't know. They're short. They're like less than half an hour, and it's it's spooky tales, and honestly, some of them creep me out. So I was like, let's get Halloween started early. Uh, if you've ever heard Radio Rental, that it's like kind of in the same vein as that, where like people are telling just their lived experiences, and I think that almost makes it creepier because, uh, you know, people experience emotions when they retell things, and it's uh, it's creepy. I'm I'm ready to be creeped out. I think. We've been watching scary movies. Um, I think I'm getting braver. I think I'm encouraging scariness. So that's what I did. That's great. It's called You Can See Me in the Dark. Yep. On fine podcast services everywhere. I assume I'm listening on uh, Apple Podcasts. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I might check that out. I like yeah. I like spooky stuff. So okay. Well, everyone. Uh, that's another week here at the Elite Beat. 
we thank you all for listening uh for megan for jason and for uh little jordan uh who he is holding in his arms right now uh, i'm andy <laughs> uh thanks for listening to the elite beat e elite beat e e elite beat <laughs>